0: from the front lines your national movement building show wake up and smell the revolution
1: that was the voice of my partner channing martinez and yeah it's tuesday morning at 8 wake up and smell the revolution you're on voices from the front lines this is eric man uh every time i hear Nina simone i just almost speechless what a genius the the piano playing alone the song so we are so proud. We open with Nina Simone and we close with Nina Simone. And today is like an overwhelming day. It's it's a stretch of my own mind, which is the world really is coming apart. And in the strategy centers, focus on what we call the anti-imperialist united front, the anti-racist, anti-imperialist uh, world overheating. Third World, United Front Against U.S. Imperialism. Uh, These aren't just words. The world is calling for this United Front Against Imperialism, which means it's also calling for a dual United Front Against Donald Trump and Joe Biden, and anyone who thinks that we should be holding a United Front Against Donald Trump and not Joe Biden. It's going to lead to the end of the world. I mean it in the serious way the Democratic Party is going to lead us into hell, into global warming, into world war with China. So welcome to being on Voices from the Front Lines, your national movement building show, because what do we know that's good? Well, the first thing we know is good is KPFK. And um, sometimes I think KPFK and the strategy center someday feel like they're hanging by a thread. But it's a very strong thread. And last time I talked, a very wonderful woman sent in $1,000. So we can do this. And I have a couple of thoughts to voice as listeners, which I'll tell you about, because it's a fundraiser. But let me try to tell you the scope of what we're trying to do today, which is, I don't know if I can get my own brain around it. I want to talk about an old friend, Kirkpatrick Sale, the dangerous contrivance of climate change and his very frightening conclusion that it's too late. Seriously. I'm going to have a poem by another friend, Kevin Rashid Johnson, who's a prisoner. And uh, I'm going to give you his address. Kevin Johnson, number 1007485, Sussex 1, 2414 Muscle White Drive, Waverly, Virginia. 23891, and I'm going to give it to you again. Of course, I'm going to read his poem, his amazing poem called Everything in America is Inverted and Perverted. So I'm going to read that. Then, got a lot of friends. So then uh, my editor, uh, Jeffrey Sinclair, he does a, a column in Canna of which he's the editor, called Roaming Charges, but we're going to discuss through a sky darkly about the madness in Spokane and also the imperialist responsibility for um, the crisis in Maui. We're also going to talk about my own book, Katrina's Legacy, The Black Nation and the People of the World, Confront the U.S. Imperialist White Settler State and its Genocidal Climate Crimes. Notice I don't say climate change. This book is at least $25 in the real world, but it'll be a, a free premium, or I should say a premium, for anybody who gives $100 or more. It's free, meaning the strategies that it contributes it free again to KPFK. So you have to understand, every time you get a premium, whether it's my book, Playbook for Progressives or Katrina's Legacy, we are contributing money to KPFK so that they don't have to pay anything for the premium. And that means if you give $100, they get all $100. If they get 250 you get it. In the past, some people have sort of sold their premiums, and that's really hurt the station because they have to pay for them. Okay, so then we're going to talk about self-determination for the black nation, stop U.S. genocide against the black nation. We'll have another federal, I have to say, another federal hate crime where uh, Ryan Christopher Palmiter killed Angela Michelle Carr, Anoy Joseph A.J. Longuerre, and Gerald Gallian in a Dollar General store. And it means if you're black, whew, there's no place to run, there's no place to hide. You can go into a Dollar General store and get killed. You can walk down the street and get killed. Um, then. We're going to talk about this is the anniversary of the, it was the 50th anniversary of the murder of Emmett Till. And uh, I was there. And it's August 28th. And then it's also the anniversary of the March on Washington. So it's hard for me to get my head around it, but one thing I'll say is it's a coherent whole to me. Emmett Till, the March on Washington. Kevin Rasheed Johnson, The Prisoners, Spokane, Maui, Counterpunch, Kirkpatrick Sale, Jenny Martinez, and if somehow in the middle of this I'm going to sing along with The Five Satins, uh, I'll be seeing you in all the old familiar places. So, this will be a seven hour show, so sit down and relax and make a breakfast while you're talking and while you're listening so this is Eric Mann on Voices from the Frontlines where do I even start, I think I want to start with Emmett Till I think it's more than the 50th anniversary because uh, I was 13 when he was murdered and he is 14 he was 14 Um, I'm a Jewish white kid from, from Brooklyn and Long Island so I'm in the white suburbs, and to this day, I cannot figure out how I got Jet Magazine, but I did. And Jet Magazine was this very small, very influential magazine, along with um, uh, Ebony at the time, which is the big magazine. And there were the horrible pictures of the murder of Emmett Till, his mother being phenomenal and brought his casket to Chicago. When I was in Mississippi for the 50th anniversary of Freedom Summer, which is 2014, a lot of 50th anniversaries, I did 10 interviews with uh, Hollis Watkins, with Julian Bond, with Danny Glover, with Frankie Adams Johnson, and um, every single person talked about the murder of Emmett Till and the murder of Medgar Evers, but that the murder of Emmett Till was a decisive event in their life. It was to me, there was one other, the murder of the Rosenbergs. And as a Jew, and as an anti-imperialist and anti-racist, those two events happened when I was a kid. So, what we want to say is to Emmett Till, Brother Emmett Till, we love you, you, uh, you do really live on. I'm looking, I'm in my... Uh, studio here, and here I have a picture of Trayvon Martin. I mean, how do we do this stuff? You know, I mean, just how do we keep fighting? And How do black people keep fighting? And God bless the black community. And, you know, Emma Till, uh, and because of Mamie Till, your mom, um, who demanded an open casket in Chicago, Oh, God, thousands and thousands and thousands of people went by, but the pictures were all over the world. And of all the martyrs, Emmett Till had the greatest historic impact of all of them because he shaped, I mean, millions of people's lives. And I realized that on the 50th anniversary of Freedom Summer, I was not in Freedom Summer. I started with the Congress of Racial Equality in September of 64, right after Freedom Summer, and maybe because of Freedom Summer. And Freedom Summer was a lot driven by the murder of Emmett Till in 1955, so that's nine years later. Here's my point every single person I talked to, and there were almost a thousand of us, was shaped by the murder of Emmett Till, who devoted our lives to black liberation a lot because of that murder. Um, Yeah, I don't want to go into that stupid story about did he, what did he say to a white woman? He could say whatever he wanted to a white woman. He could have flirted with her. I mean, what in the world does any of that have to do with murder? Well, as you'll see from the three people who were killed just the other day, it has everything to do with white people killing black people for any reason, at any time, in any place. I want to say one more thing about white folks, seriously. During the 60s, a lot of white people were really great. After the murder of uh, Andy Goodman and James Chaney and Mickey Schwerner, there were a thousand mainly white kids at Miami of Ohio being trained to come down to Mississippi. And they had just heard that for the first time two white kids had been killed, and not one of them turned around. Everyone came down to Mississippi. That's gone now. We don't have that. You know, of the 500,000 marched on the March in Washington, it was 60 percent black, it's about 40 percent white. or was 70-30. We're in South Central now, Channing and I, there's no white people fighting for the bus riders union, fighting against the attacks on black students at the school. But the white masses now have been organized into a fascist bloc. And that fascist bloc, whether you vote for Biden or uh, Trump, are armed and dangerous and crazy. And we need to have a strategy, an anti-fascist, anti-imperialist strategy of armed self-defense against armed, crazy white folks. So that's a conversation in itself. This is Eric Mann. You're on Voices from the Frontlines, your national movement building show, Wake Up and Smell the Revolution. Really brief about KPFK, 818-985-5735. Channing and I do this show every week. It takes a lot of time, a lot of preparation. I really need you all there to do several things. It means so much if you could write to Eric at Voices from the Frontlines, Channing at Voices from the Frontlines. We are trying to figure out how you can get more people to listen to our podcast. You can get more people to listen to voices. We need you to be a voices organizing committee because our audience is not big enough, but it starts with you. So, for $100 or more, you get a copy of my book, Katrina's Legacy, The Black Nation and the People of the World Confront the US imperialist white settler state and its genocidal climate crimes. That's a lot to think about. And this is a terrific book about strategy, about climate, about black people in Katrina. Uh, Jenny, you wanna talk a little bit about the book? Uh,
0: yeah, I mean, as you said, it's the actual 18th anniversary of Hurricane Katrina. Um, and and let me clarify that um, the hurricane itself Began as I understand it on August 23rd, 2005. But the flooding or the purposeful breaking of those levees happened on August 29th, um, 2005. And, you know, I, I picked it up because this is the second year that they said Los Angeles is going to have a quote, tropical storm. And obviously for us, we know we got just a little bit of rain. But that never happens, right? And so, you know, what one thing I've been thinking about is by next year, that tropical storm is going to be a Category 1 hurricane. And when I started reading Katrina's Legacy, there's a section called The Day Before Katrina. And it's scary because you read this, and these are the exact same conditions in Los Angeles today. The exact same conditions in New York, they're the exact same conditions in every major city center right now so that if there is any uh, natural disaster on top of, you know, the current disasters going on, um, Katrina, if you learn anything, um, is an example of what the system just does to move right in on the black community, right? Um, So I'll read just a few of these. Um, It says here, and this is uh, Katrina's legacy genocidal climate crimes in the chapter called "Anatomy of a Genocidal Climate Crime. Um, and it's the day before Katrina. It says, on August 28, 2005, the day before Katrina, black New Orleans was alive and well. But in a whole, New Orleans at the time was a city of 455,000 people, 300,000 of which, of whom were black. New Orleans was a majority Black city in the heart of the Black South, Black Belt South. It was a city with the most stable and longstanding, multi-generational, and even multi-century Black community, most lived in homes, streets, communities, where they and their families had lived for generations. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit, and there are about five or six points that you make in the book about really key things about um, New Orleans before Katrina. So the day before uh, Katrina, New Orleans had 5,146 public housing units, plus thousands of public housing apartments scheduled for renewal and maintenance. The day before Katrina, There was a large black professional class, including at least 7,500 public school employees represented by the United Teachers of New Orleans, a progressive and powerful trade union that was a force in city and statewide politics. See the comparison there to LA. The day before Katrina, poverty was unbearable. 38% of black children were living in poverty compared to the already outrageous national average of 17%, see the you know 40% of LAUSD students who are homeless today, right? The day before Katrina, the city was in the grip of a brutal New Orleans parish police department that operated an army of ocup- occupation in the black communities. See the budget that just passed, a what, almost a billion more, a million more dollars to the LAPD that just happened this past week. The day before Katrina, we-charged genocide was already the appropriate explanation of the conditions of the black nation in New Orleans and the Gulf Coast.
1: The reason we say that is because it's not like the day before Katrina, everything was great. It shows the vulnerability of the community. And yet, it also shows the vitality of the black community that was destroyed. And now I'm going to go... So a lot of my book is about how there was a conscious plan before Katrina to hope that when a natural disaster so-called happened, they could move 100,000 black people out of New Orleans and gentrify the whole city into a tourist trap, which it already was. So then I'm going to go to... And you're on KPFK 90.7 FM, 98.7 FM, in Santa Barbara streaming live on the web at kpfk.org. So, let me see, find something here. This is from Jeffrey St. Clair. He says, the tragedy of Lahaina is compounded by the kind of government incompetence, corporate indifference we witnessed in New Orleans. Despite repeated warnings, Hawaiian Electric refused to shut down the power lines, which have contributed to killer fires in California and Oregon, even as they were whipped apart by near-hurricane-force winds, sending spark-showering wires writhing in parched grasses. Then, the only road out of town was barricaded by police and cars, who were either stuck in line or sent back into the burning town. Only those chose to drive around it, ended up surviving the fast-moving fires. During Katrina, the bridge to Gretna was one of the few ways out of the flooded city until police used force to stop desperate pedestrians, most of whom were black, from crossing it. So, we say Voices from the Front Lines is not going to just focus on analysis because it's so damn depressing, but we have to focus some on analysis because you have to understand the full ugliness of what you're trying to fight. So, so far we have New Orleans, Lahaina in Maui. And I was there, Leanne and I used to go to Maui several times and uh, always felt ambivalent about going to a third world country like Hawaii. And then there was this town, you know, in, called Lahaina. And again, it had beautiful uh, trees and, and small shops, and it's just wiped off the face of the earth. And there's already developers coming in and saying, we'll buy your land, we'll buy your land. So imagine you own a house, but you don't have a house. You're houseless, living somewhere. You're going to get insurance eventually, if you're insured. The insurance company is going to take as long as hell to give you the money. Then, you're going to have to take the money and give it to somebody to rebuild your house. That could be years and years and years. So, as you're desperate, the ugly developers, who are the same ugly developers now, I come in and offer you pennies on the dollar, which you're going to take and probably leave Maui and go somewhere else, which is exactly what happened to people in New Orleans. So, U.S. imperialism is disintegrating at a level Where anybody who talks about socialism, you got to just be kidding yourself. I mean, socialism is, first of all, a European concept mainly that was hypothesized about taking over, you know, the proletariat, taking over Europe. Now, the socialism has really happened in the Third World, in the People's Republic of China, in the Soviet Union. It's not going to happen in the worst imperialist country in the history of the world. So if you're for socialism, you should be supporting socialism in China and socialism in Cuba, socialism in Venezuela, and building an anti-imperialist united front in the United States to defend socialism where it really exists. And that means taking on the Democratic Party as well. 818-985-5735, if you like this talk, if you like this show, please give money to KPFK. And the premium is secondary, because this is your show. But still, it's a very cool and big book, because it's actually two books in one. The original one was written the year after Katrina, called Katrina's Legacy, White Racism and Black Reconstruction, New Orleans and the Gulf Coast, which already talked about genocide, which already talked about genocidal climate crimes. But the second one was written, and Channing played a role in editing this, and Senator Manuel Cuyoyo and Barbara Lott-Holland, Ashley Franklin, Robin D.G. Kelly, to get this ready for the 2015 United Nations Framework Climate Change Conference. We wanted to get more pressure on the United States, which is why we focused on the U.S. imperialist white settler state and its genocidal climate crimes. Spoiler alert, we did not succeed. Um, Barack Obama and John Kerry totally dominated the Paris talks, threatened the hell out of people, bribed and lied and cheated and stole and basically prevented it from having any forced, enforceable... Standards for the Reduction of Fossil Fuels. If you're interested, it's a great book on black history. It's a great book on strategy. It's a great book about climate, because I know a lot about climate, because I've had to study it. So, 818-985-5735. Please help KPFK. You're also giving a vote of confidence in voices from the front lines, and me and Channing. And you're also going to get a very cool book for $100 or more, Okay, 818 985 5735 So let's take a break. My brain can't take any more. And I'm going to go back to my friend, uh, Kevin Rasheed Johnson, in a minute. Now, Resistance Resistance is an amazing person named Kevin Rashid Johnson, who I was originally introduced to by my friend Victor Wallace in Massachusetts. Victor is an amazing person. He he was the editor of uh, uh, Socialism and Democracy for many, many years. Uh, He still teaches at the Berklee School of Music in Boston. And he's been a phenomenal friend of black prisoners. Just amazing. Uh, First time I talked to Kevin Rashid Johnson was at Victor's house, because every time I go to Victor's house, he put me on the line with some prisoner he was talking to. Kevin has written a book called Defying the Tomb, which we should get in our bookstore. And I'm going to read you uh, from Carol Seligman, because just bear with me here. Um, you need people on the outside. Carol Seligman is dedicated to uh, Rashid and other prisoners, just like Amy Gurdjieff is uh, Gurdjieff is committed to uh, Keith Lamar. And we at the Strategy Center want to do more. If you have any capacity and want to do some prisoners' rights work with us, just sending books to prisoners, corresponding to prisoners. It's a big piece of work. We're not going to open it up big. But send an email to info at thestrategycenter.org, especially if you've done prisoner support before. So I'm going to continue to read because he's a real person. And this is from Carol Seligman. Thank God for her. Uh, Kevin is back in Virginia after having been sent all around the country to Oregon, Texas, Florida, Indiana, Ohio, and back to Virginia. Parenthetically, I am was shipped out in prison three different times. It's terrifying. They just come in your cell. You're in a prison. They say, get going. They handcuff you. They put you in a car or a plane, and they take you somewhere else so your family can never find you. All these transfers because Rashid stood up for himself and his fellow prisoners and exposed the violations and cruelty of the prison authorities, and he wrote about it. He wrote about it Why we on a bookstore. George Jackson was killed because he wrote about it. You need to read Soledad, brother. You need to read Defying the Tomb. You need to read my book, Comrade George, about George Jackson. You need to read Katrina's Legacy. Writing. I want Channing to do more writing because he's a great writer, really is. Anna and I think Channing Martinez, you need to more systematically write your thoughts because... Um, you're a powerful writer, and we need more young black voices and you are one of them. His latest problem stemmed from a belated diagnosis of prostate cancer, which was able to spread due to the year wait between his first diagnosis and beginning of treatment. Rashid had a fight for treatment to begin and for it to continue on schedule, with the prison authorities constantly blocking the treatment schedule. They even threw him into solitary confinement although they call it something else in Virginia, although it amounts to the exact same thing, taking away his personal property. His legal documents, his tablet, light to read by, and more. I will try to find out now if he's still in solitary and let you know if I do learn anything new, Carol. Um, Folks, George Jackson said we're living in fascism. I disagree with the people that are now focusing as if fascism is a new development and that Donald Trump is a reflection of it. I think US imperialism is by its very nature fascist, always has been, because it's based on the subjugation and murder of oppressed people through a white celestine. So in my dear friend uh, Rashid, and I'm going to give you his address again. And realistically, write to me at eric at voicesfromthefrontlines.com, and I'll send you his information because it's hard to write a list down. But I want to give it to you again. Kevin Johnson, number 1007485, Sussex, 1-2414 Muscle White Drive, Waverly, Virginia, 23891. All right, here's his poem. It's called, America the Lie. Now, you have to understand that we all smelled, it, smelled, we all spelled and smelled America with a K. Some of us spelled it with a KKK, America. So either one K, two Ks, or three Ks, but not with a C. America the Lie by Kevin Rashid Johnson. Great poem, by the way, Kevin. Everything in America is inverted every ideal of professors perverted. Take, for example, the name Department of Defense, which makes absolutely no sense. It's only raw invasions and infiltration of weaker nations, and the Department of Justice targets just us, the poor, powerless, and people of color, but protects those wealthy others who commit the real crimes and undermine world peace and stability because they have the ability and exercise it killing and robbing multitudes, but few realize it because the system shields the power they wield through corporate monopolies, but call it a free market society, promoting deporting huge portions of marginalized groups or opposing abortions and birth control, assuming the role of policing women's bodies while claiming it's a free country, a free society, and the lie of an economy that trickles down, but grinds the poor and workers into the ground, while the rich few are exempt from taxation and drive up the cost of living with inflation, with cops who swear to serve and protect us, but only kill maim and disrespect us. Everything about America where the is inverted, every value it claims to uphold is perverted, with euphemism its rulers disguise, a society sustained by lies like the claimed land of the free and the home of the brave, but steeped in racism and built by slaves. Here I see, that's pretty amazing. I mean, great rhymes and great rhythm and very cool. You to know, read it probably every show for a while. But I'm going to stay on the, this subject of socialism versus anti-imperialism. Does that sound like a country you want to socialize? Because socialized says that you're going to take the means of production and do what with it? First of all, you're not going to ever get it. Let me break it to you. You're not going to defeat the police. That's not what's on the table right now. What's on the table is not defeating the police. It's, def- it's fighting for world peace. It's defending China. It's defending Vietnam. It's defending Cuba and Venezuela. Defending the black nation. That's... To the degree, one has socialist aspirations, which is fine. Socialism must be reflected in anti-imperialist resistance, not abstract calls to socialize imperialism. So me and Kevin Johnson and Rashid agree on that. And if you want to hear more of this anti-imperialist diatribe, 818-985-5735, please contribute. By the way, I can't give the book away for less than $100 just because Pacifica needs the money, but give whatever you can, okay? That's the premium. It means a lot how many people call in. So, yeah, it's been a lot, and I just want to take another minute and see where we want to go. Mm -hmm.
0: You're listening to Voices from the Frontlines, your national movement-building show, Wake Up and Smell the Revolution, on KPFK 90.7 FM.
1: I want to read my friend Kirkpatrick sales article. Now, let me say this, folks, that you know, we like to have guests on the show, and uh, we have some great guests, but the reading of things, which I interrupt with my own talk, is critical sometimes because the best stuff to learn is in the written form because people really work to conceptualize their ideas. Now Kirkpatrick sayo is also a friend of mine, I'm very lucky, been alive for a long time, and he wrote a great book on SDS, Students for Democratic Society. I have a whole chapter on SDS in my book that's coming out someday, but soon with the publishers that'll announce soon when we get one. It's called "I Saw a Revolution with My Own Eyes: History." Notice history first, strategy, and organizing for the revolution we need today. Kirk Sale wrote an amazing history of SDS. The level of detail and scholarship, and I mean it—you know—several times, but. More importantly, every meeting, I don't know how, he he seems like he was at every meeting, every caucus. He repeats, I mean, when I wrote my chapter on SDS, and I have a phenomenal memory, I couldn't do it without his book. I mean, his book gave me the structure to say, did I remember that right? Yeah, did I remember that right? Not quite. Oh, what happened before I was there? Go to Kirk's book. It's going to be reissued. And yeah, that's coming into our bookstore too. So, so you got to come to Strategy and Soul Bookstore.
0: 3542 Martin Luther King Boulevard.
1: Corner of?
0: King and Crenshaw, okay. or what I used to call downtown Black Los Angeles.
1: <laughs> All right. So please come to our bookstore. And if you're interested in, in getting books that we could mail to you, send an email to Channing at info at the strategy Center.org and go on our site and you'll be able to find these books. So Kirk Sale is a deep, deep, deep thinker, and he's written this article now in Counterpunch, which is a wonderful magazine, obviously, called The Dangerous Contrivance of Climate Change. So Kirk Sale says, this, it's time to put an end to this whole climate change contrivance. In the first place, climate change is meaningless jargon. Of course climate changes. That's what seasons are for. What the UN IPCC reports are all about is global overheating. And that's what we're going to start saying, global overheating. You learn from other people's writing. That's the problem, and it's attendant problems, a decrease in the reflective albedo effect, ice melting at the poles and mountains, oceans rising and overheating, excessive moisture and alternate weather patterns and excessive heat on the Earth, seriously affecting both humans and rainforests, And that leaves out the non-attendant problems like ocean acidification and coral reef destruction, and the extinction of species on unprecedented scale. In the film Rising Waters, I learned a lot about coral reef destruction and the small island states. That's a whole other conversation. But it's another part of the genocidal climate crimes. This is Eric Mann reading Back to Kirk Sale. In the second, the problem of global overheating is so acute and pervasive, check this out, that no amount of cumulative effects that may be made now has any chance of halting or raining it in, which is, I believe, all along. I really do. That's what we learned when we went to Paris. For all the talk of limiting carbon dioxide emissions, these have increased steadily for the last two decades and shown no signs of slowing, and world temperatures have increased steadily as well with the hottest years since 1850 coming in the last five years. There are no actions by humans underway now or even contemplated in the next decades that even if efficiently undertaken and carried out, which is problematic, have any chance of changing that in any serious way. The Paris limit of 1.5 Celsius overheating will be passed within a year. One more thing. When we were in Paris, many third world countries say the 1.5 Celsius is an average. We think it's already 2 degrees Celsius in sub-Saharan Africa, 2 degrees Celsius in Antarctica. So all this, you know, you got to at least know the numbers. is uh, okay. And the third, all the talk about climate change directs the world attention towards the real central problem. The effects of unmitigated capitalist growth Ravaging the resources and systems of the Earth and its atmosphere, once understood as the problem, it becomes obvious that nothing whatsoever that is being talked about under the silly rubric, climate change, will come close to pointing us in the direction of a solution. Indeed, once understood, it's doubtful that there is any solution. Solar energy captured non-mechanically, wind power used at a human scale, and water power, in limited circumstances, might well prove to be the best energy sources for a modest, environmentally adjusted human society. But what's going on now is the attempt to use those sources to replace a massive global superstructure built on fossil fuels without any diminishment of high-tech lifestyles or the consumption and consumerism it entails. It cannot be done. It is the high-tech lifestyles that must be changed. Trying to replace combustion engines with electric vehicles is the outstanding examples of folly we fall into when we fail to understand what problem we need to face. EVs, we learn, are built at a high environmental cost throughout our large and heavy vehicles, have so far unreliable batteries, and if they're intended to replace the millions of vehicles now in use, we need a massive infrastructure, of charging stations, where they will need to use electricity created, at least for the foreseeable future, by fossil fuels. So you need fossil fuels to have the charging stations to drive these catastrophic Teslas. In the meantime, China and India are building coal plants. So it's trying to get the standard of living that the West created that caused global overheating in the first place. I said they don't believe that even if society dared to own up to the problem, which is doubtful, who would ever be able to find or agree to a solution on it? It seems likely, alas, that global overheating will continue to disrupt the Earth's systems at greater and greater catastrophic levels for the foreseeable future. Now, see, I'm sorry I'm going on my concept. To me, this is strangely optimistic, because it's saying that we're not crazy, that building this black and third world united front against U.S. white settler state and its genocidal climate crimes is not what NRDC is doing. It's not what the mainstream virals are doing. They are trying to claim that there are technological alternatives while still maintaining the mass consumption and madness that I have to say I'm a part of as well. Uh, I don't live at the most modest end of the living. I don't, you know, the thing about we could all live modestly so we can all live is very far away. So what's the punchline here? Oh, there is none. I don't want to overstate it. But it is the labor community strategy center to me and for what the strategy center, because every single thing I read fits into the strategy that Channing and Barbara Lott-Holland and Akuna Uka and others have been trying to develop. Uh, It makes me more hopeful about the work we're doing because we're trying to be thought leaders in the movement. So 818-985-5735, Channing Martinez, you get the last words.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think what he is saying is the exact title of your book, Katrine's Legacy and the People of the World Must Confront uh, the White Settler State and uh, U.S. Genocidal Climate Crimes, which is, you know, essentially telling everyone, but specifically telling the environmental justice world that, you know, the real question is you don't really want to talk about black people. You don't want to talk to black people, which is why there's barely any black people in the Sierra Club and many of these big green organizations. And you don't want to talk about black people, right? Um and you know, here we are, a group that is, you know, trying to be and is black-led and uh building a base of black members that is saying that the fundamental problem to climate change is imperialism. It's not you know, how many people are driving their electric cars. It's not asking people who can barely hold on to their homes that got their homes for really cheap years ago and passed through families, telling them to do $500,000 worth of repairs on their homes to keep heat and air in. Right. It isn't telling people that are having to get on the bus and wait an hour and a half and then you know be on the bus for an hour and a half that they can't have a grocery bag at the grocery store, right? That they have to carry, somehow, along with their work stuff, carry a bag with them on the bus so that when they go to the grocery store, it doesn't go to the ocean. All of those are, you know, I understand they're good things. They're things that actually affect the environment. But as what he's saying, as what you're saying, as what I'm saying, is they're all bandages. They're not even good
1: ones, you know? I mean, at least That's the bandages... There is no stopping of the bleeding right now. And um, we'll sort of end with this, Channing, that, you know, I'm sitting here with Jeffrey St. Clair, with Kevin Rasheed Johnson, with Kirkpatrick Sale. And thank you, Channing, for telling us that not only has Emma Till been killed, but now Angela Michelle Carr, 52 and old, Joseph A.J. Laguerre, 19, and Gerald Gallian 29, went into a Dollar General store in Jacksonville, Florida, and some crazy white guy came in and killed them. I think I want to end there, that there's a time when you don't have the answer, where the problem is greater than you can imagine. But I will sort of end with this actually, Jenny, that we went to Paris and tried to say to. 5,000 people, what do we do about the United States? And nobody wanted to challenge the United States. The, the white kids talked about, let's challenge Exxon and uh, whatever. And, and there was Obama and John Kerry walking around like you know charming dictators, preventing any efforts at radical change. So, again, I'm proud of our work because we are saying, like Kevin Johnson said, America with a K is the problem. Yeah,
0: and, and I think, you know, we don't know the ultimate solution, but, I mean, give the, give the Republicans and Trump and all of them credit. They are putting their body on the line for what they believe in. And I think the least that we can do is put our body on the line for what we believe in, which means coming to strategy. And so it means giving a donation to KPFK and getting Katrina's legacy. It means doing something physically, in the physical world, not on social media, to fight this system in some kind of way.
1: And with that, obviously I decided not to sing all these today, it was too devastating. We're going to let our dear friend, Nina Simone, take us out. Thanks everybody for listening to Voices from the Frontlines. Thank you, Channing Martinez. Thank you all the great people whose work I read. If you're interested in reaching us, it's Eric at Voices from the Frontlines. Channing at Voices from the Frontlines. We really need to hear from you because you can help us. And we can help you.
2: I've traveled each and every highway and more, much more than this. I did my way. Yes, regrets I've had a few, but then again few to mention I did what I had to do and saw it through without exemption. I planned each charter course, each careful footstep along the byway. Yeah, oh, much more than this. You knew See you.